Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning once again. My name is Chaplain Dan Braswell. I'm uh, one of the chaplains here at Schofield Community Chapel and also serve at Headquarters and Headquarters Battalion with 25th ID. It's good to be together once again. For the past, I think it's 12 or 13 weeks, we've been in the Psalms series, Songs We Need to Sing. We could do the Psalms we, so long that two years from now we could all be gone and somebody else would be preaching the Psalms because we'd all be PCSing. But we decided to do several of them. This is the last one we're going to do in this series. So if you have a Bible, I hope that you do. I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119, which is where we'll be looking. We'll look at only verses 33 through 40. We'll look together uh, in, in just a minute. As we look in this subject, uh, what will happen if the Word of God goes through us? I, I want to say this two ways right here at the beginning. It is one thing for us to say we should go through the Word of God. That is, we should read the Bible. I hope that all of us have some kind of plan and way, strategy to to, to go through and to read Scripture. But it's one thing to go through the Word of God. It is, it is another thing to have the Word of God go through us. We hope that uh, as we look today at this passage, we have a better understanding of, of some things that I think in this passage, there's some things that will take place if you and I go through the Word of God. As I was talking to, to the chaplain team of, over the past couple of weeks, almost all of them, in fact, uh, Jeremiah and I, we're, we're it. We're the only ones who aren't like in the box, quote-unquote, or in the field doing field services. We're, we're here with y'all, and um, everybody's, everybody's got to suffer in some shape, form, or fashion. I almost feel bad a little bit, but I've done my time before, and y'all have too. So it's just timing. Everybody's at a different place in their, in their career and in their um, whatever units uh, they're at. So I hope you're able to have a fellowship together. But before they, before they left, it was several, we had several conversations about, about our chapel and as we looked at this subject and, and going through the Psalms, one of the things that we came to realize is that one of our focuses at chapel, we hope that, that, that you catch what we're trying to do, is we're trying to teach you what God has to say to us through, through, through teaching the Bible. When, when we preach our sermons, we, we're preaching from the Bible. Because I came to the realization recently that I really don't have anything else to offer. Um, all your chaplains... Some of y'all are younger. We're old enough to be a lot of y'all's dads, and that's okay. But we're fully realization that we're, we're just not cool enough to, to do something cool enough to, to get your attention. We're just not cool anymore. Let me tell you how I know that. You know what time I get up on Saturday morning? Same time I get up every other day. You want to know why that is? Because you know what I do on Friday night? I do the same thing I do every other night. I go to bed like at 9 o'clock, and Cheryl under her breath will cough and go, 8.30 sometimes. Eight o'clock, if I can get away with it, I'm fully realized I don't have anything cool and hip to offer. If I if I did grow my hair out in the front, it wouldn't look cool if I tried to spike it up or gel it. I'm just not cool anymore. Those days are gone. And I'm just gonna, Jeremiah. I'm just gonna speak for all of us. I, I think we all can, if we're self-aware, we go. You know what? We're we're not we're not cool anymore. I say that jokingly, but in all seriousness, we literally have nothing else to offer God's people except for to preach God's Word on a weekly basis. And that's what we want to do. And that's why we're just cranking through the, the Scriptures like we do. We did the Psalms. The next series we'll be doing is Parties Worth Throwing. We're going to look at some of the festivals in the Old Testament and see that, as Jeremiah often reminds us, that 
we, of all people, Christians need to celebrate. Psalm 119, if you've, if you've already looked at it and if you're there, I hope you are, you may notice there's like 176 verses. Don't worry, we're not going to cover the whole psalm today. You could do a whole series in this psalm if, if you wanted to. This psalm, before we read our passage, which we're going to start in verse 33, is an acrostic. What that means is some of your Bibles will have, it'll have titles to each section, and it looks like a, a word that may be in a language you don't know. Well, those are just simply the names of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Gimel, Daleth, on and on, so on and so forth. The whole, the entire psalm is an acrostic where every section corresponds with, with, with a letter, if, if that makes sense. It is, it is big. It's a big psalm. It's, on, it's the size, the entire psalm together is the size of any of the average other psalms, about 22 other psalms put together. So it's big. Its main focus is the Word of God. It is the psalmist writing and writing and writing about the importance of the Word of God, what the Word of God is, how he longs to obey God's Word, and, and all of these things. It is rich, and I encourage you at some point to even delve deeper, to take time to read the entire psalm. Augustine said this about this psalm. He said, he said as often as I reflect on it, that is Psalm 119, he says, it always exceeded the utmost stretch of my powers. I cannot show how deep it is. It's one of the smartest people in Christianity ever produced, and he says, I can't even, I can't even mine all of the richness that's, that's here. Well, today I want us to answer this question. That in the section that we're going to look at in verses 33 through 40, it's going to talk about what the Word of God does for you and, and for me. And I hope today as we look at that, that it will help us to, to see some things. I want to point out a couple of things before we get there. I want you to look at Psalm we won't read it, but in Psalm 119, verse 17, the psalmist gives a prayer for life that, that we may keep the word. So there's an there's a emphasis here on, are we going to obey God? Uh, if you look at Psalm 119, 25, it opens with a prayer for teaching that he may keep the way of God's statutes. Now, what I want you to do is start in verse number 33, and we're going to read this, this section of Psalm 119. Here's what he says. Teach me, O Lord the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not uh, to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Verse number 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Amen. As we look at today, answering this question, what happens when the Word of God goes through you. I think in this passage we're going to see four things that will happen. And I hope and pray that as we look at this passage, I, 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 I come at every sermon with the presupposition, with the belief, I believe with all my heart, that God is always at work in people's lives. I believe it's at work in mine. I believe it's at work in yours. So I invite you, as we look at these ways that the Word of God will impact us, 
I hope that you'll listen to the Holy Spirit and that you'll leave today knowing that the Word of God has changed you and can change you and will continue to change you. So point number one is this. What happens when we go through the Word of God? Point number one, you will be teachable and humble. Point number one, you'll be teachable and humble. We just read this. Look at verse 33. Look at the language that it uses. He says what in verse 33? Teach me the way of your decrees. That implies somebody who wants to learn. Look at verse 34. Give me understanding. That implies what? This is, this is a person who's asking for it. He, he, he lacks it, so he wants to be teachable. Look at verse 35. What does he say? Direct me in the paths of your commands. All of Psalm 119 is really a prayer, and it implies that the, the person who's writing Psalm 119, he's, he's, the underpinning is that we need the Lord. So the question is today, are, are you teachable? Are, are, you, are you submissive? The Bible, as you go through the Scriptures, there are so many examples of things that will impact your everyday life. The question is, are you teachable? I want to throw a couple of those out there that I think are throughout Scripture, just very practical things. And I throw these out there because I want you to answer the question, are you teachable? Are you the kind of person who says, teach me, direct me, give me? Don't you love it when you have a teammate or somebody on your team is teachable? Well, let's be honest. Doesn't it get on your nerves to work with somebody who's not teachable? Yeah. Well, guess what? For all the people out there who's not teachable, some of us probably are some of those people who aren't teachable, right? It's always, it's always talking about all those other people who, who you can't tell, the, can't tell them anything. Sometimes I might be that guy. Sometimes you might be that guy. Are you teachable? The Bible has a lot of things that it teaches us. The Bible teaches us how to be saved, how to be right with God. Very simply, the whole message of the gospel is what? That, that you and I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we must recognize that Jesus Christ did what? He died on the cross. He rose again, and in doing so, he paid for our sins, and we trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. If you want to know how to be right with God, the Bible tells you. The question is, are we listening? Are we teachable? The Bible has all kinds of things to say about your marriage and about your relationships. He talks about in this, in this passage, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. There's passages that talk about uh, that talk about marriage. There's passages that talk about how to how to have healthy relationships. Guess what, moms and dads, if you read through the book of the Song of Solomon, we did a whole series on it about two years ago called Love, Marriage, and Sex, God's Way. If if you read through the Song of Solomon, you'll see practical principles on how to have a strong, intimate relationship with, with your spouse. It tells you how to do those things. We have a lot of children in this room. We have a lot of people with children. The Bible has a lot of guidance about how to guide children, how to love children, how to discipline children. The question, though, is are we, are we teachable? The Bible gives you all kinds of examples about finances. The Bible has common sense principles like the borrower is slave to the lender. In other words, the more debt we have, the harder life's going to be. It gives you those principles. There's a proverb that basically says, uh, if you if you invest wisely and save over time, guess what? It'll help you bl be blessed in finances. The Bible has all these guidelines and helps. The question is, are we teachable? The Bible 
talks about how we're to speak to each other. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only things that are good for education, for edification. In other words, to build other people up. It's the old adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, right, don't say anything at all. My point is, the Bible has a lot to say that'll be a great blessing to us. And first, if we read it, we'll be blessed. But then if we allow the God, Word of God to go through us, we'll be blessed even more. But the first question is, are we teachable? That verse says, teach me your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Uh, this psalmist, he doesn't want to just be teachable in one circumstance. He says, I want to be teachable because I want to follow it to the end. He wants to finish well. He wants to, he wants to stick with it. Are you teachable? If you let the Word of God go through you, you will be teachable and you will be humble. Point number two is this. If you allow the Word of God to go through you, you will follow the Lord with your heart and with your actions. Go back and look at verses 35 and 36 and how he says, Lead me in your past commandments, for I delight in it. In other words, yes, he, he behaves the right way, he, he does the right thing, but it's not just the behavior, it's actually permeating from his heart because he says he delights in doing the right thing. He delights in doing the things of, of the Lord. This carries the idea that it changes from a, a, a head change to a heart change. Does, does that make sense? It's a, it's a head change to a, to a heart change. There's several passages of Scripture that carry this same idea. You don't have to turn there, but I'll share a couple with you if you want to jot them down. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, for example, he makes the statement that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. It's a gift of God. So in other words, Paul teaches us that our salvation has... We're not going to work enough to be saved, right? We're not going to work enough to be right with God. Our life is not a set of scales where if I, if I do more good than I do bad, I'm going to be good to go. No. The Bible says from the get-go, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We desperately need God's grace and we need His forgiveness. And that happens when we trust in Him. However, when you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, right after his statement about we're only saved by grace, he says we are His workmanship. And he says that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. In other words, God's goal in our life as he saves us is as we become Christians, as we become his children, his desire is that we grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ. What that means is that hopefully as we're growing in our Christian faith, we go from doing the right things in our actions, but it becomes part of who we are in our very core because we, it changes our, our actions because we, we praise Him, as Psalm 119 says in another place, I will praise you with an upright heart. One of the verses in Psalm 119 a lot of people memorize is verse 11. Your word have I hid in my what? In my heart that I might not sin against you. The goal of having the Word of God go through you and through me is that it goes from a head change to a, to a heart change. We'll talk more about that as, as we go. I want to show you one more verse. If you go down to verse uh, 34, we, we looked at this already. I observe your law with my whole heart. By the way, 
Here's a very practical thing. If you're here today and you say, well, how do I begin to do that? We'll answer that one simple question. How often are you reading the Word of God? How often are you reading the Word of God with your family? You say, well, I don't, I don't know where to start. You can come talk to one of the chaplains. We'll be glad to share some plans with you, but I can promise you we all have access to the Internet now. There are many, many ways you can go through and read through the Bible. There are plans. You've got the YouVersion app. There's other apps where it'll, it'll actually lay out and delineate ways you can read through the Bible. I encourage you to do that. Do that with your children. Do that, do that with your families. Do it, do it with a husband and wife. As a single soldier, do it, do it together. Read through the Word of God so that it gets in our, in our heads so that it will go to our hearts. But, it, but if we go through the Word of God and the Word of God goes through me, it's going to help us have a heart change. Well, point number three is this, and this one's tough. If the Word of God goes through you, you will change your priorities. You will change your priorities. Look at what it says in verse 37. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Carries the idea of things that don't really have that much value. If you're like me, there's times you could say, there's times you spend time doing certain things that don't really in the grand scheme of things have that much value. Well, he prays, turn me away from those worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Look at verse 38. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. And then he says, take away the disgrace that I dread for your laws are good. Notice here, it carries the idea in, in these verses. We've already heard about selfish gain in this passage. So priorities, my priorities aren't going to be for self. They're going to be for the things of the Lord. We're going to turn away from selfish gain. We're going to turn away from worthless things. And we're going to turn away from from disgrace. I want you to turn with me to another passage. We'll just keep your keep your finger or however you want to do it on Psalm 119, but turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read two passages with you, and if you want to make a note, that's fine as well. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he, he talks about this, and I want to show it to you in verses 7 and 8. In 1 Timothy 4, he says it this way, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. In other words, it's, it's this same, it's put away this thing that's not really that valuable and do this other thing that's way more valuable. That's, that's the same idea as the psalmist. Now, verse number 8 says it like this. For while bodily training is of some value, as some translations say, exercises of little value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise, watch this, for the present life and also for the life to come. Now don't be like I have sometimes in the past and use that as an excuse to not PT, right? Well, the Bible says exercise profits a little, so I'm just going to do a little. I don't think that's what he's trying to say. Go, go work out and do all those things to be healthy. I want you to do those things. Don't, don't hear me, chaplain, saying don't go PT. However, notice the difference. You see what he's saying? His, his point is this. Yeah, bodily exercise profits, and that's great. But he's saying godliness, exercising godliness, not only impacts now, but it impacts the life to come. What he's talking about here is to change 
the priorities. You can go ahead and turn back to Psalm 119. I wanted to show you that to change the priorities. As we go through the Word of God and as we're confronted with the teachings of Scripture, there's going to be times it's going to call us to action. There's going to be times where Henry Blackaby, who wrote the study Experience in God, we're going to come to what's called a crisis of belief, where we say, okay, here's a fork in the road. Here's what I know God is leading me to do. Am I going to do it? Sometimes to do those things, we're going to have to change our priorities. What are your priorities? What's important, what's important to you? I would submit to you that it's the things you spend your money on. That's important to you. I would submit to you it's the things you spend your time on. That's important to you. I would submit to you it's the things you spend time talking about. That is what's important to you. Even though I don't necessarily know what's important to every individual in this room, I would be surprised if that was not the case. Where we spend our money, where we spend our time, and the type of things that we talk about. That's what's important to us. I encourage us today to think about what are my priorities. And as I look at this, turn away from worthless things and turn to the things of the Lord. Are there some things that God's calling you to turn away from right now and today? It's one of those things where the Bible teaches us some truth, and the results of that message is not going to happen right after this service. Does that make sense? It's not going to happen when we sing the last song. It's going to happen when we go home and what we decide to do with the rest of our day. It's going to happen when we get up tomorrow and decide what we're going to do that day. It's one of those things, priorities, it's one thing to say, I'm now going to do this. It's another thing to actually have a heart change and to follow in those priorities. But if you allow the Word of God to go through you, I believe with all my heart, God will help us when we need to change those priorities. What are those priorities that need to change? Let's hear what God has to say to us and let's obey it. Well, point number four, and I'm glad that he included verse number 40 in this section. Point number four is this. If you allow the Word of God to go through you, you will desire the things of God. You will desire the things of God. Look at verse number 40. Look how he words it. Behold, I long for your precepts. He longs for his precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. It's this very emotive language, very heartfelt language, where his actual desire or his want to, the things that he wants or desires to do, actually change. So the priorities change, but it's also deeper than that. It actually changes him to the core as his desires become the things of God. Verse number 34 has already said something similar, hasn't it? Look back up at that verse in verse 34. I observe your law with my whole heart. It's this heart change. He says in verse 35, in your law I delight. And then in verse 34 that we just read, I I long for your precepts. With this this language of, of following God with my whole heart. If you and I allow the Word of God to go through us, it'll actually change our desires. And it'll change our heart. Over the years, I've heard people make this statement, and sometimes it'll go something like this. None of y'all out there can judge me because God knows my heart. Well, 
it is true that none of y'all can judge me because none of y'all are my judge and I'm not ultimately your judge. But many times when I hear that statement, it's sort of like, like it's a blanket statement that gets somebody off the hook. But I want you to, I want you to hear that statement for what it really is. God literally knows your heart. As opposed to thinking of it as like, well, God knows my heart. I think that cuts both ways. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows our hearts. Even when we do a good thing, if we secretly are doing it for a bad reason or for selfish gain, guess what? God knows your heart. If outside you're smiling and inside there's some other things going on, guess what? God knows your heart. But I have good news. As God's people, and by the way, this is one of God's men writing about the things of God as he goes through the Word of God. So this message is for you as a Christian. God will help lead us, and he will help change our desires. Does that make sense? I want you to turn to one more passage. And this will be the last one we turn to today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I want to show you what the writer of Hebrews says about the Word of God. I want you to notice this idea of, of, of desire and God changing desires. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than what? Any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of what? Of, of the heart. The Word of God will discern those things for us. And I don't want you to only see it as a negative thing, because the ultimate goal is to change our heart to line up with the will of God for your life and for mine, and to become more and more like Jesus Christ. When we allow the Word of God to go through us, we desire it above everything else, He will actually help change our desires. Over this weekend, and we got all the children in here because we don't have children's church today. How many, how many, how many people's already been to like a Halloween thing and ate, ate lots of candy? That's what I'm talking about. You could eat candy on Schofield Barracks if I if I did my just precursory perusing of social media and signs. You could have started last week sometime, and from last week to about to Tuesday, because Tuesday's Halloween, you could get your hands on some candy for like eight days in a row. I mean, God bless America. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, what in the world? Now, some of y'all are like me. You, 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 have, you have a war within your soul, don't you? I have all this candy, and I want to do it in moderation, but the candy just screams out, and, and, and I have this. Who, who's, who, where's the struggle? Who's got the struggle about the candy? Oh, yeah, I do, I do too. I do too. But let me share this with you. And maybe this will help us understand desire as we get ready to close here. Do you know why, ultimately, for those... Now, some people don't struggle. You just say, hey, chaplain, I don't struggle. I just give in and eat every piece of candy that comes before. That's a way to do it. You can do that. But for those of you who have the war in your soul about how much candy to eat, you know why, ultimately, why you eat it? Because you want to. Your desire for candy was greater than your desire for discipline or whatever ultimate goals you had. At that moment, 
that Reese cup was more precious to you than anything else. So why do you eat candy? Because you want to. I would submit to you that everything we do in life, whether it be something that is sinful, you know why, you know why people do sinful things? Because they want to. Do you know why people have bad habits? Because their desire for the bad habit is greater than what it would take to change it. Because they want to. You know why we do all the things that we do? Because we want to. One person said it this way, our evil desires are in direct conflict with the king who has come to rule in our hearts. What you and I need desperately more than anything else is a change in want to. So if you're here today, if you're struggling with Halloween candy, God bless you, hang in there. But if you're struggling with whatever fill-in-the-blank desire, I have good news. According to this principle, this powerful principle in this passage, you and I can long for God's precepts and ask God to help us, and He will help you and He will help me with our want to, and He will help us to change our very desires to be more and more in line with what He has for our life. And that sounds pretty awesome to me. As we wrap up the psalm series, I encourage you to keep reading the psalms, songs we need to sing. I hope that as we think about this one, we think about those things God's called us to, to change, the priorities God's called us to change. You say, whew, I really like that other thing. God knows, but guess what? God's there to be with you, to help you. Ask Him to help you change your desires as you allow the Word of God to go through you. I invite you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you realizing that in many ways we need you to change our want-tos. God, we, we need your guidance. We need your word. We thank you that the New Testament teaches us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that God, you, Jesus Christ, is the word made flesh. We thank you that he died for our sins and rose again. God, we thank you for our Holy Spirit that, that works in our lives and, and helps bring us closer to you. I pray that as we think about the ways that you lead us and guide us, I pray that not only will we go through the Bible ourselves, but that the Bible, your word, would go through us. God, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.